Good morning, family. How's everybody doing? Summer. Isn't it nice? I mean, I know for some of you, you're out of the rotation of the school kind of thing, right? That every year you go into this season where the kids are out of school, their activities probably don't decrease, but their activities are different. You have a little different time. I know for our household, it's a little different this year because Sarah is working in June. So she's not at home taking care of the things that I love that she does. Instead, she's at school. But one thing that I got to rejoice in, and I think this is a word that is not written in my message, but you get it anyways. And that's, it's good for the Lord to take things away. Because then you really start to appreciate the things that you receive. And so he took away our June with Sarah not being at home. But what he gave us is that she gets Fridays off. And so we get to spend Friday together. And we had an awesome weekend. We had two days, Friday and Saturday. And part of Saturday, we helped clean the bathrooms here at the church. But we got to do it together. And what I really appreciate is that when we start to identify more and more things that we have received that we forget that we've actually received, that it's a blessing. And when he takes something away, it always prepares our heart for what he's going to give. So I hope that as we begin today, we're going to hear a story about this guy named Philip. Now, I want you to not be confused. This Philip is not the Philip that's one of the 12 disciples. It's easily confused. You hear the word Philip and you go, oh, I know who you're talking about. That's Philip. No, that's not the Philip. This is a different Philip. And his journey is an awesome story. So I want to start out with just kind of as we're introduced to who this Philip guy is. And it comes from Acts chapter 6. So the 12, that included Philip, not this Philip we're going to talk about, called the meeting of all believers. They said, apostles should spend our time teaching the Word of God, not running a food program. And so the brothers select, selected seven men who are well-respected and are full of the Spirit and wisdom. We will give them this responsibility. Then we apostles can spend our time in prayer and teaching the Word. Everyone liked this idea. You could tell the Spirit was active. No name you guys have time hearing me? Am I going in and out? Or are you all right? I'll just keep talking loud, and it'll just kind of go in and out. Maybe the word is working right here. The only the words that you hear are the ones you need to hear. I'm sorry. I'm going to... All right, so everyone liked this idea. 
summer. And we all have fun. Everyone liked this idea, and they chose the following. Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit. Philip. Now, this is the guy that we're actually going to talk about today. Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas of Antioch, the earlier converts of the Jewish faith. These seven men were presented to the apostles who prayed for them as they laid their hands on them. So this story starts with a guy who we didn't really know anything about. He might have been, he might have been one of the 70. So he might have been one of those disciples that came right after the 12 and were, I would say, the early adopters of Jesus, excited about his ministry. I would almost assume that he probably was. He heard some words of Jesus. He was excited. He did some of the things. He was known among the believers because they respected him. They knew that he actually worked out his faith. This was a guy that they chose could do responsibility. He had some kind of competency. But more so, they saw some character. They saw that he was full of the Spirit. In fact, all seven of these men were. Now, we know a little bit of the story of Stephen. He was full of the Spirit. He did this job of feeding people who were hungry. And then he was so full of the Spirit that he went out and started preaching. And his preaching was so good, he got stoned. And then he became the first martyr. Philip's story is extended. He was so excited about the things that Jesus had done that he continues his ministry, and we get to hear more about that story. But he heard the words of Jesus, and he actually put them into practice. Jesus came and told his disciples, this is in Matthew 28, and I want you to just kind of imagine, Philip was one of these people one of the 70, and he heard these words. I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this, I'm with you always, even to the very end of the age. The disciples heard these words, and we know from Peter and from Paul, they went out and they began acting on these words, teaching about who Jesus was, baptizing, and then they got busy with all the needs of the people. They said, it's not working, so choose these people to come and help. What I love about Philip's story and Stephen's story, I'll follow the stage today, is that they not only did this work, but I believe they actually took these words of Jesus, they listened, which means they not only heard, but then they did what they heard. They actually did the action. That's the key part of listening. I believe they started this food program, and it was successful because we don't hear that it was a problem again. But while they started it, 
they were discipling those who could continue it. Because very soon afterwards, Philip, we find him out and about not doing the food program, but actually preaching and teaching. Let's listen to his story. They prayed for the believers, asking God to give them the Holy Spirit. The two men then laid their hands on the people, and the people immediately received the Holy Spirit. Simon watched this with amazement. He offered Peter and John money and said, Give me the power so I can lay my hands on people and they'll receive the Holy Spirit. Peter said, you'll be destroyed along with your money. You're still holding on to your old ways. Evil lives inside of you. Pray and ask God to get rid of it. Simon cried out, please pray for me. I don't want these things to happen. After Peter and John went back, to Jerusalem, God sent an angel to Philip, go to the road that leads south from Jerusalem. When Philip got there, he saw an important official from Ethiopia. He was the treasurer of their queen. He had been in Jerusalem to worship. The spirit told Philip to get close to the man's chariot. When he did, he found that the official was reading from one of the prophets who had written about Christ several hundred years before. Philip asked, Do you understand what you are reading? The man said, No. I need someone to explain it to me. Is the prophet talking about himself or someone else? Philip got into the chariot and told him about Jesus and the forgiveness of his sins. As I traveled, the man said, Look, there's some water. May I be baptized right now? Philip said, You may if you believe that Jesus is the Messiah and accept him as your Lord. The Ethiopian paused and then said, I believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God. 
They stopped the chariot, went into the water, and Philip baptized him. As soon as the man came out of the water, he saw that Philip was gone. The spirit had taken him away. Philip found himself at another place, so he went from city to city preaching Christ. So Philip does exactly what Jesus had asked all his disciples to do in Matthew 28. And as he goes down, we see in Acts chapter 8, verses 5 and 6, just how much the people wanted to hear what he was asked to do. Philip, for example, went to the city of Samaria and told the people there about the Messiah. Crowds listened intently. Man, this is every preacher's dream, right? So Philip is there and he's preaching. And people want to hear the message so much that they put the other distractions in their life away. To listen that's what intently is. Now, in their day, their distractions were, how am I going to feed my family? Their distractions were, are the Romans going to take this away today? Will we have freedom tomorrow? Will we be alive? Now, that should hit us hard because our distractions are going on vacation? Are we going to do something really fun or just kind of fun? Oh, yeah, that, that's right. Aaron's speaking. Okay. Oh, I've got to finish that thing today, and I've got, oh, man, i got to mow, and it's so hot. I'm glad the air conditioning's working in the church today because it didn't work yesterday. It didn't work yesterday. That's not. <laughs> we have distractions that we call first world distractions. Distractions that really at the end of the day don't matter. They really don't matter. We think they matter, and I'll talk to you and be as comforting as I can be. They matter. But they're distractions nonetheless. And these people came eagerly to listen, not to Peter, not to Paul, not to one of the twelve but to Philip, a guy who no one even knew who he was until he was chosen to run a food program, which many may have seen as insignificant. But he was faithful nonetheless. He went down to preach, and crowds listened because they were eager to hear his message and see the miraculous signs he did. Even a guy named Simon. Simon was a sorcerer, is what they would say. He could do some things that people didn't understand how he did them. They would say it was magic. It could very well have been. It could have been an evil spirit within him that could produce things that were out of this world. In fact, I think that's what it most likely was. But because he wasn't there just for the signs, he was also there to hear the message. God's word is more powerful than anything that's outside of him. And it affected his heart too. 
to Simon the sorcerer, who was no doubt wealthy, because all the crowds before Simon arrived, or before Philip arrived, listened to Simon. And now he was willing to step aside and start following the guy who was taking his place. All the fame, all the glory, all the honor and respect shifted from Simon, who was their savior, over to this Philip who spoke about Jesus as their savior. Simon wasn't totally perfect. He had some things that he held on to. In fact, Peter would talk about those later. But as he listened to the good news, even the guy who was being replaced said, this is better than what I have to offer. And he got baptized. And then the story continues that this is the time now that we get to see how Philip listens. Because we're in this series called Listen. Last week I talked about some of the voices that we hear. This voice was both visual and audible. In verses 26 and 27, it says, As for Philip, an angel of the Lord said to him, Now I'm kind of guessing that he saw the angel. Because he said it was an angel. He may not have. He may have just heard the voice. So that might be me putting a little bit more into it than what Scripture is saying. But I kind of envision an angel did appear to him. And then said, Go south down the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out. If you got your Bibles, I want you to just mark. He started out. Listening is not only hearing. Remember that. As parents, we tell our children this all the time. When you listen, it means you actually do it. When you hear my voice, please respond. In fact, yesterday as we were cleaning, we, the board, which I'm included in, with all mercy and grace, we were talking about other things other than the actual thing we're supposed to be doing. And our lovely leader, Michelle Vanderwater, said, if you can hear my voice, laugh twice. <laughs> there were only six of us. Or seven or eight. I don't know. I don't even remember how many people there were. It was a small number. But listening is responding. It means that not only did you hear the words, but now you will actually follow the words you heard. The instructions that you heard. It means that you start. If you're taking notes, that's what I want you to write down. That listening means that you start. You start. Start something new. But how many times do we as people avoid the start? I can imagine if you heard a voice saying, go down to Corpus Christi. But that's all you heard. All of y'all who are control freaks, what would you do? I need to know why. What's the plan? How long? What, what kind of money am I taking? 
excuse me, angel, don't go away just yet. I need to know the details before I go. The reason why I know this is because I've had conversations with some of you when I say, oh, we're going to do this, and all of a sudden, we're missing some details. I'm not saying I'm an angel. <laughs> I, don't think, I probably don't need to tell you that. But many times, we avoid the start because we put other things ahead of the start. We think we need to have all the details to start. But Philip tells us that listening sometimes means that you don't get the details. For those of you who want to become parents, guess what? You can listen to all the things from all the people, but every child is unique. You don't get to plan. You just get fun. The journey, the adventure. Child comes, and no matter how you prepared for that child, somewhere you won't be prepared. You just have to act. You have to start. That's the awesome thing about parenting is that once you find out you're a parent, there's no looking back. It's it. The way my mom said it when I became a pastor, and I thought, oh, I'll be a pastor for a few years, and then I'll go be, you know, an FBI agent, and then I'll go do this. She said, no, once you're a pastor, you're always a pastor. I'm like, oh, don't confine me. Back up. Listening means starting. So how many times do we avoid that start? What I love about this start with Philip is that God not only gives him a start through this angel, but he also says, you're not going to see the finish. So many times the Lord asks, asks us to start and we sometimes view it like a race. A hundred meter dash that we start and then we know that after a hundred meters we're done. But for Philip, he had no idea what the Lord was asking him to do. Nor what it would result into. He just had to start out. And what happened was on his trip, on his starting because he followed and listened to what the angel said, by simply starting, he meets the guy that more than likely started the church in Ethiopia. Now, many times you could hear a word from the Lord and go, well, that's just insignificant, whether I go down to Corpus Christi or not whether I go over to my neighbor's house or not, whether I pray for that person or not. It may just seem in the time, in the moment, as unimportant or insignificant. But because Philip listened, the great church in Ethiopia began. And a whole other segment of the world began to hear the message Jesus that they had not heard before. 
That's revolution. That's lasting. So the Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over and walk alongside beside the, car the carriage. So beginning by hearing the voice of the angel, then what I love about this story is the voice changes. No longer is it the angel, detail. No longer is it the angel, but now it's the Holy Spirit. We don't know if this is an audible voice. This was a gut, inward, silent voice. Like he heard the Spirit move over to the carriage. Yesterday we were at the dog park, and I saw this dog who had this huge mass on his I don't really know what you call it. It's not a knee, but it's like where the leg bends, right? On the front leg of the dog. I don't know. Does anyone know what it's called? Yeah. Shout it out. What is it? Oh, it's an elbow. See? Whew. I'm glad I got that down now. So it's the elbow of the dog had this huge mass. And I saw this guy standing, and he was kind of by himself. He was not with the rest of the people. There were a good 20 of us there. And I heard the Lord say, go talk to him. So I walked over. And asked about his dog and said, is that, does the dog get hurt? I mean, this is not like science. This is not brain surgery. This is just, this is Aaron. Did the dog get hurt? Like, did he fall on his elbow? <laughs> did he trip? Is he clumsy? Right? Or is there something wrong? And I saw the guy go, and he has... Uh, and I won't get this right, but Jessica, you might need to come up here. Um, it's like a sarcoma, some kind of cancer within the bones. What he saw was that his dog had kind of looked like he was hurt, but he didn't do anything about it. And then when he saw the mass begin, he took the dog in and it spread everywhere. So there's nothing they, well, they can do something. But he looked at me and he said, but we're not spending 10000 And I said, it's all right. I grew up on a farm. I know that animals do not always come first. And you have families. And he goes, yeah, guys. We're just enjoying the time that we have with this dog right now. And he goes, and my parents, they're from Iran. So, because they don't even understand this. Because we don't do that over there. They don't have deaths, right? Because again, it's not a first world issue. They're dealing with other things. He goes, my girlfriend doesn't understand it, but my parents were like, why haven't you put the, the dog down? And so he was compassionately trying to care for his girlfriend and also navigate his parents who were like, you're crazy for spending money on this dog. 
guess what? I don't know the finish. You guys are thinking there's going to be this great story. Like, and then I talked to him about Jesus. His life was changed. Actually, it was kind of like Philip. I got distracted for one moment because Daisy was doing, our dog, was doing something stupid, like normal. And then I turned and he's gone. The Holy Spirit, I don't think, took him anywhere. Um, I just think I was distracted for a longer time than I thought. My hope is that maybe I'll get to see him again. And say, in fact, this morning in the shower, I heard the Holy Spirit again. Say, just pray for that dog. I don't remember the dog's name. Otherwise, I would have said it. Pray for that dog. And pray that that dog gets healed. So that... When you see Ali again, you can give thanks to the Lord for that healing. It doesn't matter if he heard about you praying. It doesn't, but may he see the power of God working in his life. Even if it's about a dog. And I know some of us would say, well, I care about dogs. Well, I care about dogs too. I love my dog, Daisy. But I also understand the perspective of his parents of, in Iran. Who they've got other things more important than an animal that they're taking care of. Like their kids that are starving or trying to be Christians. I started thinking of all the different things that could be going on in Ali's life. Was he a refugee from Iran? Because he was a Christian and he's trying to get out of the country? Was he Muslim? Or was he nothing? But I believe in a God who's more powerful than my presence. And he's working in Ali's life right now. The Holy Spirit said to Philip to go, to start. But often we ignore the Holy Spirit because we think what he's asking us to do is insignificant. Walking alongside a carriage, how more insignificant can that be? Walking around your neighborhood, praying for your neighbors? I know many of us, when we're asked to do this, we go, what is that going to do? Aren't there bigger problems in this world? Well, there were a lot of problems back then for Philip, but guess what? The Holy Spirit didn't say, go start a $4 million nonprofit agency for people in Ethiopia, he said, walk along a carriage. Because guess what? The Holy Spirit tries to make it really simple for us. Because when it becomes complicated, when we hear his plans, we have to make our plans around his plans. So he says, walk along a carriage because you can't make any other plans for that. You just have to walk along the carriage. So when he says, go and talk to someone, he doesn't need you to think about the four points that you should say. I know this, I'm not talking down to you. I'm saying this for myself. Because when I hear things like that, I go, oh, okay. What if they find out I'm a Lutheran pastor? 
but they really want a Baptist pastor? How do I make it sound good? Or what if we are totally not relatable? And I have no way to really speak into their life. I can come up with 10,000 different plans and overcomplicate the simple plan of go talk to my son, Ali. Let me take care of the rest. We overcomplicate inviting our neighbor over for dinner. Oh, yes, we do. Even in Oikos, this place where we say we try to open up our homes, we overcomplicate. We go, well, I've got, what am I going to make? What is our house going to look like? I don't know if we can have that many people over. What if there's too many people? What if there's not enough people? Right? What if they say no? And then I have to see this person day after day after day. What if I say something stupid? Praying with a friend, we do it too, right? Well, I don't need to pray with that friend because they know Jesus, so... I know they're going through a hard time, but at least they know where to go. Oh, I don't need to pray with that person because I don't think they believe in Jesus, and they'll just reject it anyways. Do you see how we kind of move through our life when we hear from the Holy Spirit to go? We don't start. The only thing we start is our excuses and our made-up realities. Like, I'm not good enough to talk to that person. Or I can't share God's word because I don't know it well enough. How many of you thought that before? Look whose hands raised. <laughs> of course I have. Especially if someone has already talked about a verse in the Bible that I had forgotten about. I don't even know where it is. I start having a little sweat. You can see it on my head. I'm like, oh. No, the Holy Spirit say, just talk to him. He's probably going to see you like an idiot, like you are. But guess what? I'll make it look good. You're going to say some things, and you're going to walk away and go, damn, I'm good. And then I'm going to remind you that you should be humble and You'll repent, and you'll go through that process, but in that, he'll see that you have a real relationship with me. Stopping to help someone in, in need, what do we do? Boy, we can complicate that. What I love is from a pastor who I saw this past week. All he does is that he has granola bars in his car. So when he sees someone, he makes sure he has something for them. Might not be exactly what they want. Many times it's rejected, but it's something. He simplified the process. Doesn't mean he doesn't listen to the person. It's not like he just drives around throwing granola bars out his car. He has something. I've tried to do this. My kids eat them all the time. 
And when we're going to do it, then we don't have it. But again, what is the Spirit saying to you? And will you start? Will you start even if you don't know what the finish is? Will you start even if you baptize and preach and teach and you don't get to see the end of that person's story? Will you go and talk to someone even if you don't get to share Jesus with them at that moment? But you hope and you pray and then you continue to pray for them, waiting for the next opportunity. Will you invite your neighbors over? even if you don't have everything planned out? Will you invite them in when your house is in utter chaos? How many will do that? <laughs> yeah, my wife won't do it. But if I push, maybe she would, but I'm just as bad, because sometimes we're having people over and I forget that we're having people over. And you should see me try to run through the place, putting things in all the different places so it looks good. But I think the Holy Spirit is saying, save your energy, boy. Invest in the people who are coming. Stop worrying about yourself. I got you. What would our lives look like if we were open to the Holy Spirit guiding and directing our steps each day? Philip could have came up with a bunch of excuses to not listen, but he didn't. He just started. One of the things that, as I prepared this message is we're going to be celebrating five years as a church. And it seems like it's just gone by so quickly. And when I started praying about this, I thought, well, what will the next five years look like? And I thought, well, maybe we could do like 10 more churches. Because originally we had, I just kind of prayed when we started Oikos and we threw out this vision framework that we said, we're going to start two new churches. And I kind of sweated over that, going, I don't know how that's going to work. I don't know what we're going to do. We don't have anybody to do it. I don't want to be one of those pastors that have to jump from church to church to church. Unless you give me a helicopter or a private jet. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> the Lord just did it. A guy showed up on my front porch, Frank Hart. We had a church started in the first year. Just like that. I mean, it wasn't just like that, but it was just like that. When Duran, he just called me because this other guy knew me. We met once for like, and talked five minutes. You all know when? We talked five minutes in person to person. He wanted to try something new, so I called him. I said, hey, well, why don't you come to Houston? We're not going to pay you. You have to figure out your own housing. But we'll invest in you. And I think you can start a church. Well, guess what? He's here. And guess what? They started a church. 
The Lord does things without us doing anything. Howard and Alyssa, they're preparing to start a church. I didn't even know who they were. They ran into them once. I think Howard tried to make me coffee. Probably didn't even do a good job. They showed up to our first worship service in Ken Rogers' house. I'm like, who are these people? Five years. They're going to be starting a church. This is not because of our efforts, but the Lord's efforts. When we step back and just listen and then start, we take a risk, like Jason said earlier. So I thought five years from now, maybe 10 more churches. I thought that was kind of stepping, right? Believing in you. That's what I'm doing right now. Believing that the Holy Spirit's going to work in your lives because you're going to start listening to him, letting him direct your steps. 10 new churches. Everyone agree? And then 50 new missional communities. Everyone agree? I mean, this morning, because of how many people are here, that means when I say everyone agree, it means you really have to agree. Because you're probably going to need to start one. <laughs> you really agree? But then I had this meeting. This was supposed to be a short sermon. Then I had this meeting, and this pastor said, you know, one of the things you should do is add a zero. Yeah, that's easy for you to say sitting over there. But then I thought, well, maybe that's what the Spirit is saying. A hundred more churches. A hundred more churches in five years. You guys ready? Well, see, now you're not listening, I don't think. <laughs> We're ending this listening series, and I need you to listen now. A hundred new churches. 500 MCs. That is what I believe the Spirit is saying. Because guess what? In the realm of this city, Oikos is insignificant in many people's eyes. But each and every one of you are hugely significant in your Father's eyes. And Oikos Church is hugely significant in our Father's eyes. And you're sitting there, but guess what? The words of Jesus, Matthew 28, were not just for 12 apostles to go and baptize and teach. If it was that way, then this guy who we heard his story, Philip, we would never have heard his story. He would have done the food program, and stopped right there. But instead, those words of Jesus to go and tell others about me, teach them and baptize them, is exactly what Philip did. So you may be sitting there today, this morning, and there are people who are not here today, who go, Oh, that's a great thing. 10 churches, 50 MCs. Woo! Go to it. 
But what the Spirit is saying is, no, it's not them go to it, it's me. So now that that is clarified, how many are excited about 100 new churches? In five years, we're going to start counting now. Howard and Melissa, hurry up. And then we need 99 more leaders. But you know what? I thought about preaching this this morning and going, well, it's going to sound ridiculous, but I actually, this is starting to penetrate my heart, that we can do it. I don't care if we have 50 people here on a Sunday morning or we have 40,000. I want to start. I want to start when I hear the Spirit speak. 50 MCs, great, we could do that. 500 MCs, we have to rely on the Spirit to do that. The thing about 10 churches and 50 MCs, and this is going to sound cocky, but Sylvia says I'm cocky all the time anyways. So, I can start 10 churches without you. See, it's cocky, right? But I cannot start 100 churches without you. I can go find 10 leaders. I can start 50 MCs without you. I know that's pretty cocky. And I am cocky. But guess what? 50 people, you can find 50 people. Convince them to open up their home and begin an MC. Because it's real simple. But 500 MCs, I cannot do. All of us in this room, we can't produce 500 MCs just with us in this room. But if we listen to the Spirit and, and actually respond, he will start providing those starts.